Hello, this is Lasha Kiosdowski speaking. Welcome to Liberal Europe podcast. Today, there is no guest, it's just me. There is a particular subject I want to talk to you about, which is my own country, Poland. And I thought that, of course, I can invite there are so many intelligence and insider, let's say, kind of um, people with with a view on, on, on the problems that there are within Poland, also the problems that Poland causes on the EU, uh, sphere and also about the impact of the Ukrainian refugees and the war and the role that Poland plays in this aspect. But I thought that actually maybe I would try to see how does it work if um, I just keep it to myself and uh, and try to fill in maybe less than actually half an hour uh, with some thoughts I would like to share with you. Also, um, if you, uh, uh, I, uh, I was wondering, perhaps you might want to reach out with some ideas for uh, for the next year. I was thinking about doing some, um, well, book conversations. So talking to, especially while I'm here at Oxford for, for quite some time, uh, there are many opportunities to interact with people who, who have ideas, write interesting books. So I hope I can get you people like, uh, for example, Yasha Monk, uh, who is here for the next year. But there are certainly other issues you might want to discuss or, or want to to have some kind of insight. Mm, so if you'd be so kind to email uh, me at, at Liberté, uh, this is, uh, well, perhaps I will just uh, send the email to, to, to the description of the podcast. This is uh, redactia at liberté.pl. That would be R-E-D-A-K-C-J a at liberta like uh, freedom in French L I B E R T E dot P L. Uh, if you have any comments, ideas, uh, an interest, any criticism, you're very much welcome to to send it, and uh, we'll try to take care of uh, during the during the Christmas break and uh, and address those concerns or suggestions. But to the to the issue of of today's podcast. So, as I think most of you know, currently uh, we have the seventh year of rule of the law and justice, kind of right-wing nationalist far-right party. Well, you you'll, you you might say that this is like definitely to the right of the and mainstream EU parties. Let's say CSU in Germany. Uh, maybe this party would like to be viewed as kind of like reasonable conservatives, but considering their views on Europe, abortion, and other issues, rule of law, most, most of all, they actually belong more to the kind of like populists, anti-establishment, uh, kind of like Marine Le Pen, Front National, or Salvini, or Vox kind of group. With the important caveat, they are very anti-Russian and uh, also quite transatlantic. So, it's one of the reasons they don't really get on well with those particular parties in all areas. I think the closest to to them is Viktor Orban and uh, Fidesz from Hungary. But at the same time, uh, Orban is playing very differently on international stage. He tries to build special relationship with Russia and China. Well, for quite obvious reasons, Poland needs this transatlantic relationship with US. Law and justice government is not trying to do that. So let's say internationally, it is still very much in the Western camp, even though it's quite Eurosceptic and that causes Poland a lot of problems on the international stage. 
Next year we have elections, which should be in the late autumn month from from now. When we speak, um, either late October or or November. And in the opposition to law and justice, we see the kind of well, good old uh, Donald Tusk, the prime minister, then the head of European Council. I mean, good old because basically, if since two thousand and five, the Polish political scene is divided between. Tusk and Kaczynski, Kaczynski being the leader of law and justice, Tusk, leader of civic platform. He's got, well, his five years in Brussels cost the opposition dearly. They couldn't, well, compete with law and justice. Now he's back. Um, also, the situation for law and justice looks dire because of the economical situation mostly. And uh, But he's not the only opposition party. Then you see also Poland 2050, which is Szymon Hołownia party, who was the, well, kind of outsider former TV star, uh, well, kind of religious commentator, um, and he found it surprisingly, surprisingly um, a liberal, I mean, at least belonging to the Alder Group party, well, basically very heterogeneous uh, in terms of what the members of this party stand for, kind of centralized, really, as the same, the same as kind of civic platform, which is, which belongs to the EPP group uh, in Europe. Then you also have the the left uh, combining of the old post-communist party, but also of the new left, Robert Biedroń party, uh, Wiosna, which is the spring, they don't exist anymore. They combine the forces. Um, he, he is in the European Parliament, Robert Biedroń. And uh, also in the coalition is the Razem Together party, which, well, ironically, is very much separate, uh, despite the name, from the rest of the opposition. Uh, Kind of, well, for Poland, I would say radical left, but it's kind of like a new left, like you might see in the United States, kind of campus left, you know, which which is a trend, I think, very popular now in the Western Europe and, and the US. And then there is like, well, let's say the peasant party or traditional kind of agrarian party, maybe to put it nicely, which is trying to, uh, trying to position itself more at the center, kind of small town, even bigger t- cities, towns, not just to be the party of people who, who live in the countryside, but it's they're having a hard time doing this. Well, pretty small, just above the 5% threshold. So, and there's also one kind of like a radical nationalist libertarian party, just getting, trying to rebrand itself, um, called Confederacja, Confederation, uh, with some of the very pro-Russian figures within it, uh, is also extremely heterogeneous. So you get like a hardcore nationalist, kind of like white supremacists sometimes, and uh, and kind of conservative libertarians, whatever that might be. Mm, so very kind of pro-free market, but at the same time quite conservative on the social issues. They are the dominating group, and they are currently trying to reposition themselves. Also, uh, since the war, they are just near the 5% threshold, which is the threshold which uh, allows you to get to, to the parliament if you uh, go uh, beyond it. So on the opposition side, you see a lot of parties, which are, well, it's a very fragmented scene, you, you might say. So um, with these elections in mind, um, we also uh, uh, see now uh, a big problems for law and justice because um, for quite some time, because of the rule of law, the uh, European Court of Justice, uh, well, made certain verdicts which uh, uh, try to force uh, the governing party to implement 
well, reforms or actually trying to take a step back from all this anti-reforms, I might say, they implemented with regards to that, well, pretty much dysfunctional uh, justice system in Poland. But th what they did was uh, trying to dismantle the control mechanism on top. They very much politicized against the constitution. They, they well, openly broke the constitution and took over the constitutional tribunal. So it's almost like, you know, Trump taking over the Supreme Court in the US. I mean, our tribunal doesn't have such a strong position as Supreme Court in the US, but it's something you can compare in terms of significance. So, for example, the most striking example is the abortion law, basically banning almost all abortion by the constitutional court because just the Kaczynski decided uh, this former leader of the law and justice, that would be the best, best course of action if the court, not the party, tries to enforce it. So draconian laws implemented, well, for basically political reasons, uh, giving a lot of headache for anyone who thinks about potential reforms that might be possible after the elections in Poland, how to try, how to try and take, well, how, how, how to get, get out of this um, conundrum of unconstitutional changes which are extremely hard to dismantle after well it will be eight years in the in the next year after eight, eight years of of the law and justice in power seems almost impossible to do it in the in the proper legal way um but coming back to the to the tensions within the eu and and poland so how law and justice tries to frame it is that the bad EU doesn't want to give uh, Poland money, even though the Poland is fighting on, with Ukrainians, uh, with this war of Russia, and this is a disgrace, and this is all the German meddling. Now you see a big anti-German campaign by law and justice. Basically, they, well, at least until recently, they used to repeat all the time that portraying, like portraying the the opposition leader, Donald Tusk, as a kind of like a German puppet, just trying to prove that this is the Germany, which is like ruling you from, from the inside against Poland. Because Poland, I mean, surprisingly, considering that we have this kind of governments right now, is a very pro-European country in terms of the, well, how population stands. Of course, you can discuss it, you can divide it into like a different reasons of support, uh, but basically Poles see the future within the EU, very strongly within the EU. So you can't be openly anti-European and, uh, and believe that you can, well, score very highly in terms of um, political support in Poland. So they try to use uh, law and justice, trying to use Germany as kind of, well, trying almost like to replace the, the EU with Germany to, to mobilize the support with this anti-German propaganda. And therefore, they, they, they are the collision course with the, with the European Commission, which very openly stated that unless certain reforms will be implemented, uh, the judges who are banned from uh, well, doing the work by in illegal way, uh, which was stated by the Court of Justice, by, well, Polish uh, courts, uh, that unless those uh, those verdicts are to be implemented and the law, this law banning these judges from, from basically from, uh, from working within courts is not um, dismantled, then Poland won't receive uh, the EU COVID funds. Uh, and perhaps also this is a separate issue. Poland now also facing the problems with the structural funds. 
which is even more severe problem. Um, so um, I think that we might see in a couple of weeks, maybe months, um, since also there is this big financial problems uh, because of the inflation, because of uh, of the um, of problems with uh, selling bonds by the um, by the government. Uh, basically, it's, it's harder and harder to get uh, any kind of attractive conditions with regards to to uh, getting more debt. It's more and more costly to be in debt nowadays. Um, so all all these very costly programs that Polish government has with regard to the energy crisis, uh, giving money to all the coal consumers. So just the, to, to, to show you how uh, our government is thinking about the climate change. Well, basically, you, you see that these programs are very costly. All the social programs, the uh well the extra pensions they want to uh, to pay to to the uh elderly uh like the 14 the 15 pension that's uh, that shows that basically they need money and uh the money especially is needed in the in the year of the elections which is which is next year so we might see some a step back or or kind of like a regrouping in terms of the relationships with the eu because it can be clearly seen that all this blackmail, all this pushback against the EU, against the Germany, it's not working. It's simply not how EU is working. You, you can't just, you know, step into the room and be like a rebel rouser and trying to force everyone to listen to you just because you have, well, have happened to have a different opinion. So there is a big chance that because of this mm, strong stance on, on the rule of law in Poland, Commission might achieve uh, the goal that the Polish government will have to at least partially uh, withdraw from all these anti-rule of law changes. I mean, not all, but at least some of those, and which would be uh, well considered, I think, a great uh, a great victory for everyone who in Poland cares about those issues. Mm, for the first time, EU has a leverage, the financial leverage, which which can use. What is worrying that we see that currently Viktor Orban, just because he's making some kind of concessions, well, currently it's just verbal concessions with regard to the EU, might also be the receiver of those funds. They send extremely bad signal. Also, if Poland would, would receive those, uh, those funds without reforms, which is, I think, unlikely currently, because simply th there is there is no necessity to to provide Poland with the money until they perform everything they were uh, obliged to to do the Polish government. But if th there was some target, it, it could be possible for EU Commission to do some concessions. At least this is what Polish government believed. It will be po possible to get some political concessions. Um, so either giving money without conditions or without like mm, with, in the case of Viktor Orban basically giving him money now means supporting well I would use well some people use uh, like a nice term like a hybrid regime I, I'm not sure what kind of well description we should use with regard to Hungary right now but it just seems so well unreasonable to expect that the government that that it's possible to change government now in Hungary. And therefore, I would say to talk about that Hungary is a kind of full democracy is, is clearly wrong. 
and any kind of money from the EU taxpayers sends to Viktor Orban right now will only strengthen, strengthen his position and his regime and make the liberal democracy, come back to liberal democracy, even more far-fetched and, and even harder than it is right now. This is, this is my opinion, but also I think that another challenge for, for the EU is that once, once the EU would allow the populists and nationalists within the EU to kind of cherry-pick what they like, what they don't like, we might see the big problem. Also, this, those EU countries, which are now considered kind of safe or free from populism, it's just the temptation to only go for what you find attractive within European project is pos potentially very, very strong force. We, we remember, um, I'm now in, in UK, as I told you, and you remember the David Cameron failed uh, attempt to, well, have kind of his own way with the EU. So to limit the free flow of movement, to limit immigration, basically, that was his, his uh, main concern. And, you know, some countries want to have less freedom of movement. Some countries like France might want to see uh, perhaps uh, less of the common market, more protective measures within the countries, um, and so on and so on. Like everyone would find something uh, that they would be rather uh, very happy to get rid of um, with regards to the EU. And once we start doing this, we might end up with very different EU from what we know right now. The EU, which is less integrated, less kind of, where it's even harder to make any kind of common decisions with regard to the, to the, to the future. The, well, dismantling of many important aspects like Schengen, for example, or if you start you know, doing this with regards to the Eurozone, you, you will see perhaps another potential comeback to the to the crisis remember from the year 2012 and before and so uh it it might seem as kind of might, might seem to to someone as a kind of exaggeration but if we accept that poland or hungary for that matter but i think this is now a very two different cases because in poland it's clearly possible that the, the change of government is, is very much i would say likely Mm, the law and justice, I mean, I gave you some kind of brief description of the political outlines in Poland, law and justice now polling like, well, still winning in the in the elections if they were happening today, but they cannot have the ruling coalition anymore. But of course, it is still possible for them to win these elections, but it seems unlikely at the moment. It's, it's more, it's, um, there are more chances that the opposition will try to build the government multi-party government most likely after elections 2023 so if if other uh, populists uh, other nationalists in in europe they will see that well it is possible to to choose what you want and what you don't want within the european project you, you might see the strengthening of the message you might see a lot of anti-european campaigning you might see a lot of support because people wouldn't like that some countries are treated just in a very different way than than the others and you might actually see the uh, further weakening of the mainstream political parties. One, making concessions today, we'll see the weakening of the positions tomorrow. So it's a dire warning, not just because of that, some ideals, you know, not just because uh, I know that everyone in EU would just like to, you know, just get rid of this problem and you know, move forward. We just, we just cannot come back to talking about Poland and Hungary all the time and rule of law. 
but I think it's very impossible in this in this case the ideals and the interests of the of the EU they're very much aligned. And also I think it would be very unfair to to say to Polish people you know it's after all like they are Europeans after all to 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 say to all of us like listen well you don't really deserve kind of first rate rule of law you you don't belong to the first rate rule of law club of countries you, we we might get away with a kind of second rate you know we we used to call it in Poland like uh the fish of kind of second degree of freshness you know ryba drugiej świeżości and uh, so that basically meant that well that that was the fish you, you should rather not touch you know it's it's not it's not very fresh um and we don't we don't want it i mean seriously the the poland deserves the first rate rule of law and it will take quite some time to rebuild it within our country but while it is our decision to make this is for poland to reform to change the government to take the lesson you know it's a hard lesson but you know us did it with trump there is no reason why poland well very much polarized like us in many ways very similar to us much more similar than i think to many western european countries there is no reason to believe that poland wouldn't take this lesson seriously but in the meantime i don't see why anyone within the eu might think that it is worth to try to compromise on the basic EU ideals and uh, undermine this battle that civil society in Poland uh, took for quite some long time, you know, last seven years, with their own government, which is you know, extremely hard to for, 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 for anyone uh, on the streets, in the courts, um, in, the, uh, in the parliament, against dismantling the constitution and against uh, dismantling rule of law in Poland. So... I'm very happy that that uh, commission decided, uh, well, it seems so, to strengthen its position or just basically to do what is right in these conditions. And I think it will, if, uh, well, it might just try to wrap up in the end that I think that the law and justice government now will see itself in a very difficult position uh, to either follow kind of more rational Path, which would be like take the funds and do the concessions and just try to well come back to on the rule of law a little bit to what would be the well the kind of like political mainstream in the in the liberal democratic world order or but that might cause them actually the the coalition well they have like internal coalition it's not like a formal coalition let's say uh it's basically like a one one party in the Polish parliament, but there are like a two separate entities. So there's like a smaller, much smaller uh, party called uh, uh, Solidarna Polska, like like Poland Solidarity or Solidarity Poland. And they are very much against, they're much more even hardcore than, than the law and justice on this issue of, of rule of law. They, they don't want to step, take a step back. And so this government might not survive if, if they decide to make these concessions. But even though they make these concessions, I'm talking about law and justice, that might cause the money which they dearly need in the, in the election year um, next year. So it's a very hard choice. Um, I think very good and very strong position of the of the EU and also European Parliament before. And I hope this position will last. And well, I'm basically very much optimistic with regards to the prospects of the Polish oppositions to take over after 2023 elections. What might be more problematic, and I don't see here, the, the clear path would be ruling because we'll be very much ruling against the institutions which were uh, 
taken over legally or sometimes illegally uh, to some extent by law and justice. The president's veto, uh, you need like 60% of the votes in the parliament to reject the veto. It will be very hard to get those votes. Mm, many other issues like economic crisis, which will be very hard to solve with the multi-party government. We haven't seen more than two parties like in practically since 2005 uh, in the government. So that's a big challenge. So winning elections is one thing, but ruling is quite another. And I really do hope that with the help of a civic society, of the think tanks, of the experts, uh, our uh, political leaders in the opposition will be ready for this extremely important task of rebuilding Polish democracy um, after 2023 elections. So that's all from me for now. And uh, please email me at redaxia.liberta.pl if you have any ideas. It was a really great pleasure to run this podcast. Thank you once again, Ricardo, for the opportunity. Um, Please tune in, well, next year. Until next year, goodbye.